Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. It's Hoops Tonight presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is safe and secure. Getting your money out is super easy. You can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. And I love building those same game parlays. And FanDuel is now live in Ohio, so use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, and Ohio. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Call one 888 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in LA. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Dial one 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. We're going to continue our midseason week today with the midseason awards, hitting on MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved Player, and Rookie of the Year. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to The Volume's YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. 
Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. Then last but not least, if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. And here at the beginning of 2023, we have a ridiculous couple of months of sports coming up. Obviously, we just had the College Football National Championship beat down last night, but we're headed into the NFL playoffs. I'm ready to watch Tom Brady eliminate my Dallas Cowboys, and then obviously basketball is heating up, both with uh, college basketball and the NBA. I was just at McHale Center to watch the Arizona Wildcats lose at home for the first time in like two years to Washington State. It was fun to get out and go to that game. Watching them on TV is great, but how about we go to some of these games? I want you guys to check out Game Time. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the United States. Game Time offers amazing last-minute deals on all your favorite NBA, NFL, NHL, and NCAA teams. And on top of that, they sell last-minute concert tickets, too. So if you're in Detroit and you want to see the Pistons, Game Time has you covered. If you're in Colorado and you want to go see a show at Red Rocks, Game Time has you covered. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and redeem code HOOPS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and enter code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, guys, let's talk some basketball. So you guys know the drill with my MVP list. Remember, I kind of split it evenly between three criteria. Who's the best player in the league? who's the best player on the best team, and who's the most valuable to your team. If you want to simplify that, it's just ranking their individual success, ranking your team's success, and ranking how much you as an individual are contributing to that team's success. So I have, if the season ended today, my MVP as Kevin Durant. He's averaging 30.7 rebounds and five assists this season on it astonishing 67% true shooting, driven in large part by him knocking down the most difficult shot in basketball, the pull-up jump shot, at a ridiculous 55% clip. Easily the most efficient perimeter player season that we've seen since prime Steph Curry. He's also going to make an all-defense team. It's the best he's ever been. And he's been the best player that I've seen in the league this year. The Nets have the best, re- uh, the second best record in the NBA. They're just one and a half games back of the Celtics for first place. They are top 10 in both offense and defense. And the Nets are 11 points per 100 possessions better when KD is on the floor versus when he's off. They are losing the KD off minutes by 3.4 points per 100 possessions this season. So he is checking all three boxes resoundingly. Now, KD is hurt, but we got to look closely at that because he's only missed one game all season. And if he ends up coming back before, you know, February 1st, then in all likelihood, he's going to end up finishing the season around 70, 72 games played. And if that's the case, time played is not going to be a factor. So he checks all three boxes resoundingly. Now, the one last point I wanted to hammer home with Kevin Durant is his leadership. You know, Like, say what you want about the trade request this summer, and I think that's going to be something that lingers in a lot of people's minds, and they're going to have a hard time getting over that. But the reality is, is like, as far as trade requests go, it doesn't really get much more professional than what Kevin Durant did. He waited until the offseason. He gave them a clear list of preferred teams. 
He explained why to the front office and the ownership group, specifically why he was frustrated. I don't like Steve Nash. I don't think he practices. Uh, he, I don't think he practices us hard enough. I would like a change of leadership there. He obviously expressed some uh, lack of confidence in Sean Marks, but. When the season got started, it turned out that the roster was actually pretty talented and functional, so Sean Marks was off the hook, but the Steve Nash stuff ended up being a real problem at the start of the season, at least from the standpoint of buy-in down the roster. So like, when, when he didn't get what he wanted over the summer, when they didn't trade him, what did KD do? He basically leaked to the press that he was recommitted to the team and that he was going to be in net for the future. So he basically took back his trade request to demonstrate a clear commitment to doing the best he could with the Nets within this season. So I don't really necessarily, you know, especially in the modern culture of the NBA where there are all these trade requests, I don't necessarily knock him for that. Now, in the season, this is where his leadership becomes a big factor because one of the big reasons, I believe, why Kevin Durant wanted a trade is because he realized the fundamental problems with the Kyrie partnership. Obviously, he has the utmost uh, respect for Kyrie's talent, but he knows that basketball isn't the biggest priority for Kyrie, that his activism is his biggest priority. And Kyrie straight up tried to submarine their season again this year at the beginning of the year with all the anti-Semitism stuff. So you can see why, from KD's perspective, why he wanted the trade to begin with. But that happened this year anyway. And the, the season was falling apart at the seams, the player that is supposed to be his partner in crime was not worried about basketball and was doing stuff off the court that was hurting the team. I'm not going to talk about any of the actual subject matter. That's not my job. But whatever you want to think about it, it absolutely was a distraction that was hurting the team and literally took the second best player from the team away because he was suspended. That all happened. All of it was falling apart around Kevin Durant. And then what happened? Right after the Kyrie suspension... The Nets were on the road for 10 of the next 12 games. And that's a lot of traveling, going to hotels. Even when they came home, they were home for just one game at a time, and then they would go out on another road trip. In a weird way, that was kind of perfect for that team to galvanize themselves around the camaraderie of the locker room. I credit Kevin Durant for that. Specifically, his love for the game of basketball. And the way that that shined through all the drama and got everybody in that locker room to buy into the one thing that they do better than anything else, which is basketball. It got them focused back on the goal, and all of a sudden the roll started to uh, the the win started to rack up. Then when Kyrie returned, he had no choice but to assimilate into that role and to buy into the basketball because the team was winning. So in a weird way, KD not only galvanized the group and and turned the season around, he also put Kyrie in a predicament where he had no choice but to be by Kevin Durant's side and go after this thing with him. And so that, that leadership element is a huge underrated part for me. Now, he would be my number one MVP pick anyway because of the contributions he's made on offense, and I think he has been the best defensive player this season among the five players that made my list. So I would have him up there anyway, but I do think that leadership part is a massively underrated part of his case. Number two, Nikola Jokic. 25-11-10 on 69% true shooting. I'm not going to dive too much into numbers because we did a lot of that yesterday for the All-NBA stuff. Kind of an uneven defensive season. He could still have some issues guarding in space or when he's in pick and roll and he has to come higher up to the level of the screen because of a good pull-up shooter or something like that. 
Um, on tape, he's been sprinting back in transition a lot better than most slow bigs in the league, but the Nuggets are literally the worst transition defense in the league, according to Cleaning the Glass. The Nuggets give up a 135.4 defensive rating on transition possessions. It's a big part of why they're the 23rd ranked defense overall. So regardless of the individual areas where Jokic has improved, he has not been able to anchor that defense in the way that most of his peers at the center position can do. Guys like Joel Embiid, guys like Bam Adebayo, guys like Draymond Green, guys like Anthony Davis, they're just so, 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 so much better at that than him. And specifically at that position, it can be a problem. So that's kind of like the one knock on him. But in spite of that, he's been so good offensively that I still think he's the third best basketball player I've seen this year. I'd have KD one and I'd have Steph two and then I'd have Jokic at three just in terms of what I saw within this regular season. The Nuggets have the same record as Brooklyn. They're the second best record in the league, one and a half games back of Boston. Um, And the Nuggets are an astonishing 25 points per 100 possessions better when Jokic is on the floor versus when he's off. So once again, he checks all three boxes resoundingly. He's in the conversation for best player in the league. His team has the second best record in the league and he's immensely valuable to that team, but I give a slight edge to Kevin Durant. One, because of defense and the and the season that uh, Kevin Durant's having on that end of the floor. And secondly, I think the degree of difficulty is still a touch higher for KD from the talent perspective of what's on the roster. All right, moving on. Number three, Luka Doncic. So he's averaging 34-9-9 this season, 61% true shooting. Once again, uneven defensive season. He's got good possessions here and there. Good defensive rebounder, which is obviously vitally important to ending defensive possessions, but he takes a lot of possessions and games off entirely on the defensive end of the floor, really sloppy rotations, conceding three-point shots, things along those lines. Again, I don't blame him. I've talked this to death. The role that he's in requires him to be so available on the offensive end of the floor for that team that they really can't afford to have him exerting himself to a great extent on the defensive end of the floor, but it is the reality, and it is part of the um, you know total package of how he contributes to winning. He's the fourth best player in the league that I've seen this year within this season behind KD, Steph, and Jokic. The Mavs are 23-19, and which is only the ninth best record in the league, but they're only four and a half games back of Denver and Brooklyn, so it's still within reach that they could go on a run. And the Mavs are 23-14 and when Luka has played because they're 0-4 when he hasn't played. Now, that's good and bad because that's an availability thing. Like, if you have to take rest, that's obviously a downside. Like, a huge part of KD's MVP case is he just hasn't missed any games, which buys him the margin for error to miss seven or eight games with a knee injury, right? Uh, well, uh, 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 Luka has missed four games and the Mavericks have lost all four of those. So you got to factor that in. But the flip side of that is like, man, when Luka's on the floor, they're 23 and 14. That's like, you know, top tier, second tier stuff in this league with a really limited roster. And the Mavericks are 12 points per 100 possessions better when he's on the floor versus when he's off. The Mavericks outscore teams by about six points per 100 when he's on, and they get outscored by about six points when he's off. Translation, they're a bad team when he's off the floor, and they're a good team when he's on the floor. So a lot of classic MVP markers, um, and Luka is actually the Vegas favorite right now. I just personally value team success more than most voters do. Um, So for me, I have him behind Jokic and KD, but I mean, Half of these guys, like literally every single one of the top five guys on my list would have won the MVP in 2017 over Russell Westbrook. They're all having better MVP campaigns than 2017 Russ. It's just the reality of how deep the league is with talent right now and the fact that we just have a bunch of guys that are playing at an MVP level. 
I still, even though I have him at third, I do think Luca has a real chance. Like if he's winning at a 23 and 14 clip when he's on the floor and he can stay available the rest of the season, chances are the Mavericks will move further and further up the standings. They have a trade to make in the at the deadline. They have Christian Wood available. There are teams out there looking for size. Uh, I've seen reports that they're they don't necessarily want to extend Christian Wood at the number that he wants, so they might end up trading him at the deadline anyway. Maybe they can get back some real ball handling to ease up some of those responsibilities. Um, I do not think that he's out of the running by any stretch, but right now I have him at third. All right, number four, Jason Tatum, 31-8-4 on 61% true shooting. Good, not great defensive season. I think Kevin Durant's having a better defensive season. It's a big part of why he's number one. He's the seventh best player that I've seen this season behind KD, Steph, Jokic, Luka. I'd have Giannis at five, LeBron at six, and then Jason Tatum at seven. Lines up pretty well with what I had this summer. Um, like I think I had Tatum at sixth in the league this summer, and he's kind of held up his end of the bargain there. The Celtics have the best record in the league, and the Celtics are 5.4 points better per 100 possessions when Tatum is on the court versus when he's off. Again, in any other year, that's a legit MVP case. But when I'm looking at Luka, Jokic, and KD, they are better players that are on lesser teams with less talent, that the teams are performing nearly as well as the Celtics, and I think those three guys are contributing more to winning when you factor in all the ways that they contribute. It's a tight race. It is what it is. I just think Tatum's four as a result of the competition, but he is playing at a bona fide MVP level. Number five, I have Giannis. He's having a really weird season. Giannis is below 50% from the field in his last 13 games, which is obviously not very Giannis-like. Outside of the restricted area this season, he's shooting just 27%. So if he's not laying the ball up or dunking it, He's missing three out of four shots. So that's weird. And then there's some weird on-off stuff too, which we'll get to in a second. But 32-12-5, and 59% true shooting, which is still really good, even though it's not very Giannis-like. Still an outstanding defensive player. Like I said, he's the fifth best player I've seen this year behind KD, Steph, uh, Jokic, and Luka. And the Bucs are just two and a half games back of first place, despite losing Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton for a good portion of this season. The on-off numbers are weird. They are just 3.6 points positive per 100 possessions when he's on the floor, but they are minus 1.3 when he's off. That's only a 4.9 point swing, which is the worst out of any player on this list. And when he's on the floor, they're not um, beating teams resoundingly by any stretch, but the production's there. The numbers are there. The defense is there. And regardless of what we say about the on-off numbers, the wins are there. They're two and a half games back of first place in the league, despite having some bad injury luck. Uh, it's just it's just some really funky numbers there that I find very interesting that I'm going to point out to you guys. Um, the guys ahead of him on this list have the production and have the wins, but they also have those value metrics and things along those lines. So I have him at five, but if you guys remember before the season, I picked Giannis to win MVP, and I'm still keeping him as my pick as of right now. I think he's got a great second half run in him. I think eventually the Bucs will get healthy. I don't know if you guys watched that game against the Knicks last night, but what have I been preaching all season long about the Bucs? Having a perimeter player that can play make and can knock down shots, like spot up shooting. Joe Ingles was masterful in that second half against the Knicks. They were spamming a dribble handoff with him and Giannis. And because of just a basic ability that uh, Ingles has to make reads out of those dribble handoffs because he's a smart player, they were able to get a lot of really good stuff out of it. So with him kind of finding a role there, with Chris Middleton coming back, Drew Holiday hopefully staying healthy for a long t- for a longer stretch, they should go on a run. You know Giannis is going to play hard every night. 
Obviously, he's not playing very well, which is going to motivate him to play better. I still think he ends up getting the award by the end of the season. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole-body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription. And free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code Hoops. That's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Hoops, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Hoops. So, a uh, quick in- uh, summation, that's KD1, Jokic2, Luka3. Um, Tatum four and Giannis five. All right, defensive player of the year. So uh, most, this is one of the most frustrating ones to kind of talk about uh, because the way that people measure defensive player of the year, I think is flawed in a lot of ways. Most voters really simplify it down to defensive rating, like how the team does on the scoreboard defensively, and then advanced metrics, like these catch-all metrics for the defensive end of the floor. Now, to be clear, you guys know how I feel about catch-all advanced metrics. I throw them out the window entirely. I'm completely uninterested in them. And the main reason why is because the game of basketball, I believe, is way too convoluted and you know beautiful and complex to simplify all of the different motions from 10 different players into one number. I, I just, it fundamentally, it's like blasphemous to me. I'll give you an example. Like ESPN's real plus minus for def, uh, ESPN's defensive real plus minus has Marcus Morris as a top 10 defender 
in the NBA. Now, some of the names up there make some sense, which is what those metrics guys are always pointing out. Like, oh, it looks you know, vaguely familiar to what we see with our eyes. But at the end of the day, if your metric is telling me that Marcus Morris is a top 10 defender in the NBA, then your metric is wrong and it's flawed. And so I throw those entirely out of the window. I just do put, put in the work, guys. Look at individual. I, I, I trust metrics on a possession by possession basis. Like if it's like this guy is running a hundred pick and rolls that are leading to 105 points, that's the scoreboard. I can direct. Now there's some factors in there. Like how's the spot up shooting? What kind of defenses are they playing? There's some factors there, but at least I'm getting a more refined picture of the scoreboard within a specific action. I can learn something from that, right? You know, look, I love cleaning the glass because of the way they track half-court offensive ratings versus transition offensive ratings. Those are two different settings. When the game is helter-skelter, it's easier to score than when you're trapped in a half-court set. That's a great evaluator for when we get to the postseason and we're looking at teams that are primarily going to trap you in half-court sets because of them sprinting back in transition, communicating, and getting matched up, right? I prefer metrics on a more focused level. I just discount entirely any sort of catch-all metrics. So I don't care about your defensive metrics as it pertains to Defensive Player of the Year. And then defensive ratings, it's just the scoreboard. So it does have some bearing, but you got to remember there's four other players on the floor. And a lot of times whether or not your team can get stops has a lot to do with what the other players on the floor are doing. Uh, I'll give you an example. Last year, even when Anthony Davis was available for half the season, they weren't getting stops at a high rate when he was on the floor because around him it was an atrocious defensive team and Anthony Davis was still a flawed player back then wasn't hitting his jump or any of those kinds of things but he was still a very good defensive player and it just wasn't amounting to stops so what I'm going to be doing is looking at all of the film that I've watched this season and the defensive players that I thought actually contributed to getting stops on a possession by possession basis more than their peers for example FanDuel has Jaron Jackson Jr., Brooke Lopez, and Nick Claxton as the top three most likely defensive player of the year guys based on odds. Um, And they're all very good. Jaron Jackson's blocking a ton of shots, although for him, he can get a little out of position sometimes. The other thing with Jaron Jackson is he fouls a lot. The other thing with Jaron Jackson is he missed a big chunk of the season to start the year. Uh, Brooke Lopez, for instance, blocks a ton of shots. Milwaukee has the defensive ratings. The thing with Brooke is his job is very easy. He runs the deepest drop in the league. They concede three-point shots to whatever his matchup is every single game to allow him to linger by the rim. He does not need to cover nearly as much ground as the other defensive anchors in the league, and he's flanked by Giannis, who can do more of the mobility-related stuff, right? So those two guys didn't make my list, and they're the two favorites in Vegas. So again, this is... This is just the way that I view it. And what I like to do is at least explain to you guys what my reasoning is before I make these picks. Um, All right, so number one, the guy that I have to win Defensive Player of the Year if the season ended today is Draymond Green. He's by far the best defensive player that I've seen on tape this year. By the way, the the, uh, Golden State Warriors allow just 108.9 points per 100 possessions when Draymond's on the floor. The Cleveland Cavaliers, in totality, have the best defense in the league this year, allowing 109 points per 100 possessions. So, the Warriors overall have the 19th-ranked defense in the NBA because they can't get stops when Draymond's off the floor. 
when Draymond's on the floor, they literally defend better than the Cleveland Cavaliers do. So that's why just looking at a team's defensive rating to me is not a fair assessment. Even just within Draymond's defensive rating, that 108.9, that doesn't factor in the fact that they're regularly playing lots of small guards, that they're regularly playing a lot of young players, that because of Andrew Wiggins missing a huge chunk of the season and their inability uh, and the loss of Gary Payton II, Otto Porter Jr., they're very thin on the wing. Very thin. And they're getting a lot of stops with Draymond Green on the floor. And it's because he is a one-man wrecking ball on the back line. I, I, those of you guys who are Warriors fans who've been watching the show, I've broken down a half dozen different plays in the last couple weeks where Draymond Green was in as precarious a position as you can possibly be in in a basketball game where 99.9% of those possessions end in dunks or layups. And he has blown them up and sent them the other way. There are games that the Warriors won because of Draymond Green blowing up play after play at the end of these games. And he's incredibly versatile. He could do it in drop coverage. He can do it as a help defender off of a shooter in the corner. I literally showed you guys a play the other day where he blew up a lob pass that Kevon Looney was in the coverage by flying out of the weak side corner. I think it was in the uh, the the Detroit Pistons game, if I remember correctly. But he and then and then he can also switch onto any player in the league and competently defend, just like we saw him do with Jalen Brown in the finals. He's just I think he's the best defensive player that I've seen this year on film. FanDuel has him as the ninth best odds. Isn't that crazy? Plus thirty three hundred. And it's because the Warriors are nineteenth overall in defense. Now, one other thing too, and the, the reason why I'd still view him as a decent betting opportunity is the Warriors are 19th in defense, but there's not a huge gap between 19th and 9th. You know, um, It's only a couple points per 100 possessions. And you have half the season left. Not only that, there's real urgency for the Warriors. There's urgency because they're, they have a ground to make up in the standings. And you know they'd rather have home court, and they view that as an opportunity. My guess is they look at the two seed as achievable if they have a good run to end the season. You have Steph Curry coming back, which means... I think he's coming back tonight. We'll have an instant break, an instant reaction video. I told you guys we might not do KV, uh, the Net Celtics because Kevin Durant's hurt. Well, that's what happens. We're ditching Net Celtics. We're going to do an instant reaction video after tonight's game uh, when Steph Curry makes his return. Uh, but with Steph coming back, that's more baskets, which is going to give you more opportunity to set your defense. Andrew Wiggins is coming back. Uh, Andre Iguodala has made his appearance to start this season. So you're getting deeper on the wing. The urgency is there. Your offense is going to be better. All of that leads to what I think should be a defensive run for the Warriors. So I still think he's got a good chance to end up winning the Defensive Player of the Year award. Uh, number two, I have Miles Turner. It's a similar type of deal to Draymond. The Pacers are 18th in defense, so he's not even being factored in. FanDuel has Miles Turner at a plus 11,000 to win the award. Um... But this is where I want to look at personnel because if you look at defensive ratings, even when Miles Turner's on the floor, it's a little underwhelming. But you got to dig deeper. The top five minutes, guys, for the Pacers. So top five total minutes played for Pacers that are not named Miles Turner are all guards. You know, Aaron E. Smith, Andrew Nemhart, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Benedict Matherin. That's the guys that are playing around Miles Turner all the time. Six of the top seven are guards because now I've got TJ McConnell and then obviously Jalen Smith is the backup center. So basically whenever Miles Turner's on the floor, 
it's most likely that he's going to be playing around guards. Every once in a while, there'll be O'Shea Brissett out there for a little while. You know, he's six foot seven, a little bit more functionally as a wing. But for the most part, he's playing out there with guards. And Indiana has afforded that luxury because of what Miles Turner does as a backline rim protector. Flying around blocking shots, he's fourth in the league in total block shots. He's a great post defender. We've seen him in several key center matchups defend really well this year, and he can competently switch out to the perimeter. He's never going to get the uh, credit for it uh, uh, the way that he deserves because of the team defensive ratings, but when you factor in degree of difficulty and what he does cleaning up messes for those small guards, which allows them to have so much ball handling and shooting on the floor that they can just drive and kick teams to death, <clears throat> that's because of Miles Turner. And so I have him as second in my Defensive Player of the Year voting. Number three, matching up with FanDuel, is I have Nick Claxton. Him and Kevin Durant are basically by themselves anchoring the ninth best defense in the league uh, just by making extra efforts around the rim with their length and athleticism. This is not a great perimeter defense team. They are allowed to press up on guys. They do a ton of switching, encourage guys to press up into the handle, knowing that if they get beat off the dribble, you've got Kevin Durant and Nick Claxton waiting on the back line. That's a luxury provided by their Backline defense. He's been the third best defender that I've seen this season. All right, most improved player. Number one, Laurie Markkinen. I actually had um, uh, on FanDuel, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is the favorite, but I think there's actually a much larger gap between what Laurie used to be and what he is now versus Shea. Um, Laurie's averaging 25 points per game, which is 10 more than last year. He's the second best spot-up player in the league to run at least 150 spot-up possessions at 1.32 points per possession behind Georges Niang of the Philadelphia 76ers. He's having an outrageously good isola- uh, isolation season. He's run 54 of them and scored 71 points. That 1.32 points per possession is best in the league among the 71 players who have run at least 50 ISOs. He is a bona fide franchise cornerstone after being salary filler the previous season. He's the most improved player in the league. Shea Gilgis Alexander. He's taken the leap from lower level star to like mid level star, like right below that superstar tier. He's got the, like I said yesterday, the best combination of pull up jump shooting and downhill scoring that we have in the league. And he is single handedly turning a rebuilding roster into one that is a pain in the ass to beat on any given night. Yeah, the Thunder's record's not that great, but when you have them on the schedule, if you bring a lax effort, you're going to get beat. Number three, Tyrese Halliburton. He's gone from interesting young guard to a legit offensive engine for an Eastern Conference playoff team, a good one that's out of the play, and they're the sixth seed right now. Uh, this The Pacers score 1.05 points per possession in both pick and roll and ISO for Tyrese Halliburton on massive volume. He's, run, he's already run almost 800 pick and rolls this year. Bottom line, he's that initial advantage creator. He's the one that creates that first driving kick, whether it's an ISO or pick and roll to get the team into their driving kick, and then all those other guards capitalize on that advantage. He's my third in most improved player. Rookie of the year, honestly, was as clear-cut as it gets. One, two, three. Palo's number one. 21-7-4, 55% true shooting, which is totally respectable for a young player. He's already the sixth-best post player in the league uh, to run at least 75 post-ups at 1.09 points per possession. He's just a man amongst boys as a rookie, which is really unusual in NBA history. Number two, I'm flopping from where we were last time um, because Ben simply played better. Ben Matherin is at number two. 17 points per game on 56% true shooting. He's really thriving in that guard-heavy pass-first offense we were just talking about with the Pacers. But he's doing most of his work in transition and in spot-up situations, which is going to be a little bit different than what we see from Jaden Ivey. 
Um, but just in the last couple of weeks, they're really starting to ISO him more. And the main reason why is he's getting by people off the dribble, which, again, we talk about this all the time, but dribble penetration is so valuable in the NBA to get teams into rotation. Now, right now, he's not making good reads out of it, which is why the numbers aren't great. Uh, like, just in the last few games, he's running a lot of people over for offensive fouls or um, missing layups, doing things around the rim because he's not making reads when he gets that dribble penetration. But it's like a legit huge positive that NBA defenders just can't keep Ben Matherin in front. And eventually teams are going to find a way, uh, his team is going to find a way to uh, weaponize that in an on-ball role as he gets older. His ISOs are ticking up closer to one point per possession. That's how you can tell. And we'll, I'm curious to see how that ends when the season's over. Number three, Jaden Ivey. 15 points per game on 51% true shooting. Again, completely different role than Ben Matherin. About the, the, the two most common play types for Ben Matherin are, are spot-up situations and transition runouts. The most common play type for Jaden Ivey is pick-and-roll. Ever since Kate, uh, Kate Cunningham got uh, hurt, he's running a ton of pick-and-rolls. He's run like 350 of them this year. He's bad at it. Like He's not doing a good job, but it's like he's a young guard, and almost every young guard is bad at it. So while he's getting thrown into the fire on a bad team, you know Ben Matherin's thriving in a drive-and-kick environment. So I, I want to be clear. Ben Matherin deserves to be second on this list, but I do think Jaden Ivey's a better player. He's just in a tough situation, so I just want to make sure that we acknowledge that difference. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. As always, I sincerely appreciate your support. We're going to be back tomorrow going over our contender list. Kind of like a power rankings mixed with just uh, putting into tiers again like we did before the season. But it's all going to be in one video. Um, and then we'll also have a, uh, probably earlier in the day, a instant reaction video to the Warriors' return of Steph Curry tonight. All right, guys. I will see you tomorrow. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.